line toward Battalion HQ. There's a way out there toward the only open road. Leave one squad as a rear guard, is that clear? Yes, sir. Both men answered in unison. Good luck, then. Davenport watched them disappear down the trench. He climbed back up on the fire step and stretched his tall frame to the top. Straining to make out any sound in the distance, he watched the eastern sky slowly begin to glow. Dawn in the desert was a time of utter silence. The wind flinging the sand from the rim of the dunes, the constant buzzing of the black flies, would begin with the sun and the oven heat. Davenport reached into his pocket for a small leather case. In the faint light he opened it and peered at the faded photograph of a pretty woman with stylishly curled hair. Goodbye, darling, he thought. This time it may really be goodbye. He closed his eyes, concentrating on her face, and offered a silent prayer. Davenport noted the time. Ten to six. Suddenly he heard the droning of aircraft. A line of Stuka dive-bombers banked high in the pale sky and commenced a near-vertical dive. The brilliant flash of high explosives coincided with a deafening roar, sending a pillar of smoke and ash from the centre of the garrison. Davenport turned back to the darkness and in the next instance detected a metallic clank. He leapt from the parapet, and crouching on one knee shuddered with the ear-splitting explosions of the artillery barrage. The darkness suddenly filled with bright light, and amid the hellish din his rational mind reasoned that the shells were falling harmlessly between the two sections of British lines. Rommel's short on ammunition too, Davenport thought, as he was rocked again by explosions. In the interval between the exploding shells he could hear the shouts of the sergeants, cursing the men to stay down and ready themselves. As quickly as the barrage began, it was over. The first rays of the sun streamed from the eastern horizon. Davenport jumped to his feet and scaled the parapet. A thousand yards beyond the Dannet wire he could just make out the silhouettes of moving objects and heard the deep roar of diesels and clang of wheels and treads. Tanks perhaps as many as thirty in his estimate. As the black object slowly advanced, the leading edge of the sun rose, illuminating the battlefield with faint orange light. Raising the binoculars, he could distinguish clumps of infantrymen sheltering in the lee of the panzers, advancing slowly in a forward crouch. Davenport felt oddly detached, watching the advancing men and machines with a strange fascination. He counted slowly to ten and then shouted, Fire at will! The anti-tank gunners immediately responded with a loud blast, sending up balls of flame and smoke in the midst of the German line. One tank was hit, erupting into an orange fireball, brewing up, as the Tommies called it, and then another. What sounded like a flying train roared overhead, and a heavy artillery shell crashed into the enemy line, sending up an enormous plume of smoke and debris. Amid the guns and scream of shells, the men raised themselves on the sandbag ledge and opened a steady rifle and machine-gun fire into the advancing Germans. Another round tore a large gap in the enemy line, and a second burning tank bathed the desert with a lurid glow. For a moment, it seemed that the German infantrymen were falling back under the relentless pounding. But the brief British artillery fire had ceased, and Davenport watched as the German tankers ranged their cannons on the British line. Flames erupted from the cannon's muzzles, and rounds slammed into the sandbag trench, throwing up clouds of sand and debris, filling the trench with dense black smoke. 
Amid the screams of the wounded, he could hear the harsh shouts of the Sar Major. Keep up the fire, boys. Pour it on the bastards. Another round from an advancing tank struck not ten yards from Davenport, knocking him to the ground. He reckoned that the first line of tanks would reach the ditch at any moment, and climbed back to the top of the parapet just as the lead panzer dipped into it. Turning to the young soldier at his left, he yelled, Send for Mr. Jameson. The soldier disappeared into the choking dust and returned after a brief moment. Sorry, sir, he cried. Lieutenant's dead, but the sergeant's coming. The Sergeant Major shortly appeared with a bloody bandage around one arm and saluted. Take the men out, Davenport ordered calmly, ducking at another shell burst. Leave one squad behind for cover. Yes, sir, said the sergeant in a loud voice and turned on his heel. After another moment, the boyish-looking corporal who had brought Davenport his tea raced past, carrying a nine-millimeter Sten machine.